This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Crafted in the heart of Germany's Black Forest, Monkey 47 Gin is a favourite among the world's finest bartenders. With an unmatched array of botanicals from juniper and lavender to hand-peeled citrus fruit and lingonberry, it's the perfect spirit for any cocktail. And now get $5 off your first order of Monkey 47 on Drizzly.com using the promo code GIN47. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Must be 21 and older, valid for new customers only, void where prohibited. Monkey 47, certainly German and certainly wunderbar. Hello, you've downloaded a podcast of BBC Radio 4's The Food Programme. Welcome to our world, from cooking to culture, politics to pleasure. We hope you enjoy it. This is the programme that gives you a chance to change someone's life. That time again when we ask you to tell us about the people and organisations making a big difference through food. And these are the people who are flying the flag. They are innovators and traditionalists doing it out of passion and they make this country a more interesting place to live and a much more interesting place to eat. For me, this is exceptionally exciting because these are usually stories of kind of love for food against the odds. Today, the hunt begins for a new set of finalists for the 2016 BBC Food and Farming Awards. And that hunt starts here with you. As you'll hear, being nominated really can change everything. They always say, like, we heard about you through Food and Farming Awards, basically. Everybody says the same thing. It's like a a business-changing experience. Winning the BBC Food and Farming Award has completely and utterly changed our lives. From markets to local retailers, cooks, food producers, takeaways and street food. Not forgetting drinks and caterers. We need your insights and your knowledge to put us on track. In this programme, we'll hear who's judging this year, big names and key players. We'll catch up with some of the winners and run through the categories. By the end of this programme, I hope you'll be inspired, driven even, to our website, bbc.co.uk slash foodawards, to nominate. These awards really count because everything stems from your nominations. Those nominations will lead to stories that will go out all across the BBC over the next few months, from Countryfile, The One Show and Saturday Kitchen on BBC One, to Farming Today and You and Yours on Radio 4, to the BBC's local radio stations, along with BBC Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. But before we dive into the main course, let's look at what might be some of the issues worth considering from the year that's just ended. One of 2016's judges is Julia Glotz, managing editor of The Grocer, the magazine that's all about food and drink retailing. The sugar debate continues to rage. It's the number one health issue that's being debated at the moment. There is growing consensus that something should be done to curb our sugar consumption. But precisely what kind of interventions work, that's something that's still being very hotly debated. There's also much more focus on the environmental impact of food and drink production, as well as more general awareness of how vulnerable farmers, but also consumers, are to the effects of climate change. Particularly these past few weeks, the floods have brought this all into ever sharper focus. Big supermarkets are facing some very big challenges. 
they're almost facing an identity crisis. They are having to come up with new compelling reasons to persuade shoppers in the face of competition from the discounters and in the face of growing competition from online, including from players like Amazon. Supermarkets still have a huge market share, so their position, their importance in UK grocery isn't going to disappear overnight. But they're really facing some new growing pressures and how they're going to respond to that strategically is going to be very interesting to see. We are looking at a fascinating backdrop here at the start of 2016. Julia Glotz. Well, let's move on to our first category. I'm Stephen Gates, and I'm completely and utterly obsessively fascinated by food, where it comes from, what it tastes like, and the extraordinary secrets lurking behind it. But to grow good food... I make TV programmes a lot about the science of food and a lot about the adventure of food. Um, I'm judging the Cook of the Year category. The BBC Cook of the Year Award is all about cooks in hospitals, prisons, schools, offices, any institutional setting. Once it's cooled and it's nice and syrupy, it's time to strain off all the bits and bobs. What's particularly exciting for me, because I've made lots of children's programmes where I've tried to get kids fascinated by food and, and thereby to be more adventurous with what they eat, is the idea that cooks in schools can change the unfolding of children's lives and form their relationships with food so that it's a very positive thing. And with the problems that our children are experiencing with diet at the moment... Cooks in schools are phenomenally important. There can only be one winner, and that is the outstanding Joe Ingleby. On stage at last year's awards, it was Joe Ingleby from Redcliffe Children's Centre who was crowned Cook of the Year. Redcliffe is a remarkable nursery nestled amongst high-rise flats in Bristol. <laughs> Food sessions happen all week long, all year round here, and they're all based around children exploring for themselves, not by me leading them. Which things should we cook? Some radishes. Yeah. Might need to cut the root off. They're just learning to eat, really. Yeah. You know, that's really key that they can just pick it up, look inside it, work out what it is. We work with children as young as two, so... Two? Yeah. Still in nappies who are cooking. And children are capable from birth. They're interested in food. They learn through their mouth. So start as young as you can. And don't start with cakes. Start with vegetables. This is the thing that we're trying to do. But also what's interesting is is cooks in other institutions, in big companies, in civic institutions as well, where they have an opportunity. They have this extraordinary audience that they can use to, to try adventurous things out on. But often that has to be done against a terrifyingly tight budget and often huge amounts of regulations on what they can serve, how they can serve it. So this takes real originality and creativity, I think. Over the years, uh, Stoke-on-Trent council offices, the cook there won. Ian Woodhouse from Stoke-on-Trent Civic Centre. My sort of outlook is don't treat it as a canteen. I mean, this is my little bistro in there. That's how I look at it. You'd think, well, you know, council offices, but actually making a difference to people's lives. And then Al Krisky. The winner is Al Krisky from High Down Prison in Surrey. Well done. Who's gone on through the clink restaurants to change training in prisons. In a sense, that's what makes a really wonderful story, isn't it? Somebody who's in an unexpected place doing something magical and changing people's lives. It's so important to give these people the recognition they deserve because often they are the unsung heroes of food that are building food experiences in really difficult conditions. I'd love you to tell me all about those cooks that 
are really inspiring and make food fascinating and make people's lives better. People that are working in canteens and prisons, schools and factories and hospitals and hospices, people who are often working very much against the odds and making great food on a really tight budget. This year, joining Stefan Gates to judge BBC Cook of the Year will be chef, broadcaster and food writer Allegra McEvity. Now, let me introduce you to this year's lead judge, the man overseeing one of the most influential and competitive categories, best food producer. I had a childhood that was full of food. I grew up in Israel to uh, parents from a European background. My father was born in Italy, my mother in Germany. There was a culinary cacophony around me. Yotam Ottolenghi, author of Plenty, Plenty More, Jerusalem and Noppy, the cookbook. When we place salad, we think not only of the elements in the salad, we think what it sits in, what sort of bowl. It needs to look quite daring and almost like the souk. The heaps of, of spices in the souk, that's what we're trying to make to do with the food. It's a sense that it's all out there on show, colours, textures and quantity. Otto Lenghi isn't just a best-selling writer, he's also an entrepreneur and the creator of what's been called the Otto Lenghi Effect, a style of cooking that spread from one end of the country to the other and from homes to supermarket test kitchens. I asked him why he wanted to be involved in the awards. The Food and Farming Awards, I'll always listen to it because I think it's very interesting to hear what's going on. But also because I spend too much time in London and not enough in the rest of the country and I'm not sure I get to see enough of what's going on. And every time there is a Food and Farming Award, I'm just really surprised by what all those contestants from outside London and what goes on in those places. So it would be a really good idea to step out of my comfort zone <laughs> and go and see what actually has happened in the rest of the country. Because I've got a very clear sense of identity of place, that where I came from. So I think there is a very clear sense of a place here, and it's just time to discover it. In Jerusalem, the book and TV film, Yotam Ottolenghi explored the richness of the food of the city where he was born and formed. With me this spring, he'll be focusing that fascination with craft and flavour onto the food of these islands. I love people on a mission and people with obsession because I'm one of those people. Whenever I travel in the world, I try to find someone that thinks a little bit like me and learn his or her art. And that's, I'm sure, what you learn when you go and judge the Food and Farming Awards. We'll be on a voyage of discovery, visiting all three producer finalists wherever they're to be found. 2015's finalists were a dairy in Northumberland, a bakery in East London and seaweed harvesters in Scotland. What Yotam Ottolenghi and I get to see and taste this year is up to you. All the information you need to nominate is at bbc.co.uk slash foodawards. Now, our next category. My name is Angela Hartnett and I'm going to be judging best street food and takeaway in the Food and Farming Awards 2016. Best street food and takeaway this year to be given the TV treatment for the first time on The One Show is such a fast-moving category, it's hard to pin down. It can go from five-star fish and chips, the one freshly caught, the other locally grown, to who knows what, Polish dumplings perhaps, Dickensian puddings 
or stuffed Vietnamese baguettes. It's just a brilliant category because it seems now that what happens is someone sets up, if you like, a hot dog stand from a, a van on the street or they do a little pop-up and then they develop into restaurants. And that's exactly the path taken by last year's winners. Six music. Right now, it's Keris. At the end of the year, they were on Keris Matthews' Six Music Show to talk about their food, their music and their adventures. In 2012, two music fans were at a Gillian Welsh concert when they had an epiphany. They decided to go to the American South to learn how to cook barbecue. Roll on just three years later and they were winners of the BBC Food and Farming Awards. Shona Gwynn and Sam Evans started Hangfire Smokehouse after a long road trip and food apprenticeship through the southern states of the USA. Back in Wales, they started to practice their new arts in a backstreet pub, smoking meats and making southern-inspired food, using local ingredients and a lot of thought. It's been just such a tremendous and fast, furious Very journey, fast. really. You know, you, you've just—I heard a little whisper of, about you, and then it's just gone through Wales, certainly. But really, the big highlight, if you like, or the turning point of the business. So, a year in, we'd won the BBC Food and Farming Awards. We won Best Street Food, and just all the interest around us really sort of peaked from there. Well, the winner is the Hangfire Smokehouse, <laughs> and we're travelling around the deep south of America, and we were listening to you, Sheila, and you'd say, "Hello, this is the food program. I'm Sheila Dillon," and we'd say. Hello, Sheila. <laughs> oh, hello. Hello. Is that Shauna? Is that Sheila? It is. Do you know how long I've been waiting to say hello, Sheila? <laughs> it's become a hashtag. Yes. It's like a cultish hashtag. <laughs> I caught up with Shauna Gwynn a few weeks ago, recalling that crucial visit last year from Giorgio Locatelli and broadcaster and chef Paula McIntyre. It was the brisket, the... Kansas burnt ends. Yeah, the burnt ends. Yeah, and I had them in Kansas a couple of weeks ago and they weren't as good as they were in Wales. They stepped out of the car and they walked into our tiny little shop and I think they could see the time and effort that had gone into what we were doing. This is not man versus food. This is not buy it cheap, stack it high, sell it cheap. This is actually buying fantastic local meat, putting it through a really long, slow technical process and then making all of the other bits, whether it's rubs or sauces or sides, to complement the meat. The pickles, the pickles were delicious The candied well. jalapenos yeah. will stay with me for probably the rest of this year. Yeah. I'll get and cravings for I those. Also, <laughs> I also a great, great admiration on, on this idea then coming in with a new idea on food and taking over like a, like a pub uh-huh. and producing the food from behind and, and re- revitalising the pub. This is such an important thing. As a result of winning this award, we're actually trying to juggle three projects at the minute. So we've got our cookbook deal. Then we've got about 300 orders that we're trying to get out. But then the big exciting news is we're about to open our first restaurant and that's hopefully going to open in March. So it's trying to juggle those three things and I blame you guys entirely (laughs) for it. Winning the BBC Food and Farming Award has completely and utterly changed our lives. It seemed to me, Shauna, that at the award ceremony in May, 
that you were quite excited? Just a little bit. I think we actually treated it as if we'd just won a Grammy or an Oscar. I can remember sitting, biting my nails, looking at Paula McIntyre, wishing that the words hang fire, smokehouse would just come out of her mouth. Hang fire, smokehouse, Sean Gwynn. Judges this year are Angela Hartnett, Paula McIntyre and The One Show's resident chef, Reza Mohammed. If you want to be the next hangfire, and who wouldn't, you can self-nominate via our website. But let's move on to the next category, local retailer, supported by Radio 4's You and Yours. Back in 2005, I announced the winner, a fifth-generation Derbyshire Butchers, struggling to hang on to the something that was at the heart of its business, its abattoir. JW Metric won us over because of the services it provided not only to customers, but also to local farmers. Judge Robert Clark met John Metric Jr. in their Glossop shop. It's unusual to have an abattoir these days, isn't it? Yes, it is unusual, and we fought tooth and nail to actually keep the abattoir. It's the most important part. It's where it all starts and gives us this complete control of our product right from the farm to the customer. Only three people involved, the farmer, us, and the customer, and we think that's the best traceability system that you can get. The awards capture food stories that matter to all of us. Without local abattoirs, smaller-scale farming becomes almost impossible and stories that inspire and give hope to other strugglers. Before their win in 2005, Metrics was just two small shops and an abattoir with a very basic online service. Now, at the beginning of 2016, we operate three retail shops. We've now extended the abattoir and added a, a cutting room. Our online business that was just in its infancy has grown between 2 and 300%. And we're able to offer a much better service to the farmers in that we're curing meat, we're making sausages. And this has been very important for farmers because particularly when prices have been depressed for lambs or for pigs, they've had an alternative to bring it to us and for us to actually butcher the meat for them and add value so that they can get a better price. So major changes really from where we were in 2005. Metrics, with its new cutting plant, is now at the heart of a thriving food economy, the place where farmers from Derbyshire, Lancashire and Yorkshire bring their animals. They alone employ 67 people. They have a new pet food business using their offcuts. The imagination and entrepreneurship are staggering. We saw it again in the Wirral with 2014's winners, butchers and abattoir owners Edge and Son. Judging the local retailer category this year are chef and broadcaster Rupa Gulati and the woman behind the UK's biggest selling food magazine. I'm Gillian Carter and I'm the editor of BBC Good Food magazine. In 2016, local retailers really matter because there's been the massive influx of what we call the discount supermarkets in the last couple of years. They've made massive headway. They've shaken up the high street, not necessarily in a bad way, but at the moment, they're not a driving force behind local shopping, you know, helping out local farmers, local producers, local manufacturers. At last year's ceremony, the retail gong was handed over by food journalist Joanna Blythman. The winner in this category is a shining example of how a really good food shop can really revitalise and regenerate an area. It's a combination of a fresh market of fruit and vegetables outside and inside a veritable United Nations of foods from all corners of the world. And what it's done, it makes affordable, fresh food available to people of modest means who travel by foot. 
And that is Liverpool 8 Superstore. It was food writer Diana Henry who went to judge the shop and meet its owner, Abdul Ghafoor. If you're a cook, this is an astonishing place to be. It's got about 20 different kinds of lentils. It has a whole aisle full of those. We are trying to get people to go back to the fresh food fresh vegetables. I want them to cook and eat the freshness. This year, Diane Henry is going to be judging Best Market, along with this man. Cast your mind back to Radio 4's vegetable chat show, Veg Talk. Hello, my name's Charlie Hicks, and I'm a fifth-generation greengrocer, and I've been working in and out of wholesale markets all my working life, which is a very long time indeed. This year, I'm one of the judges on the Best Food Market category for the Food and Farming Awards. What markets do is give producers a fantastic opportunity to earn the money that they should. Instead of there being a whole chain of middlemen, I've talked to an awful lot of farmers and growers who tell me that without getting involved in a food market, their business would have disappeared. Last year's winning market was visited by chef Richard Corrigan and market trader Peter Gott. It's interesting that town councils and communities are actually really coming together because we now recognise the value of markets and proper food. There is only one winner, of course. Doncaster. Hey! The crowd for a pullet of raspberries. Four nectarines the pound. I'm just getting half a kilo of these fantastic misshaped carrots. So whereabouts are you growing them, sir? These are from Hatfield. By end off of that. I mean, there's a real value family shop about Doncaster that appeals to me, Peter, I'll be honest with you. Very vibrant. I mean, the Friday market here is a very busy market. Everybody can eat out two for a tenner, you know, and internet, internet. Everybody can buy it online. But they can't get the personal service, though, and they can't taste it on the internet, can they? These awards aren't about size. They aren't about whether your market's huge and offers an enormous range or whether your market's tiny and only has four or five stalls. What it's about is quality. Charlie Hicks... All the information you'll need about the categories and how to nominate this year is at bbc.co.uk slash foodawards. Next, one of our newer categories, one that just keeps on growing, Best Drinks Producer. Returning as judge is drinks writer Fiona Beckett, who will be joined this year by drinks maker, barkeeper and co-founder of the Ethicurian restaurant in Somerset, Jack Adair Bevan. Drinks are just so exciting at the moment, and as a drinks producer myself, I've just seen the whole category explode. The laden shelves of an independent drink shop in Bristol tell Jack a story about the category he'll be judging. There's all sorts of different bottles around us, ranging from lots and lots of craft beers to ciders to wines, sparkling wines from the UK, whiskies, gins, you name it, it's here. The market for UK-produced drinks of all kinds is changing fast, and this category has documented the whole explosion. What I've got in front of me here is just a huge range of beers, and those are all single, small producers that are making amazing different styles. We've got Colonel, that was actually a finalist a few years ago, right through to Thornbridge, who also won a couple of years ago. These are all people that have independent businesses, and they've built these things up themselves, and this is just beer. As well as that, we've got cider. Only a few years ago, there just would have been a couple on the shelf, but now we've got at least six or seven and, and these are all made very locally to us here in Bristol so there'll be Somerset there's some Welsh cider here as well and then as we move on to the next shelf which is gin 
I mean, I can't even count the amount of gins that we've got. Here in front of me, I've got Psychopomp Gin. I know the two guys that distill this, and um, they're creating this in the basement of a house. These guys are engaging with gin making from a real point of passion rather than wanting to take over the gin world. They just want to create the best product that they can in a basement, and, it, and I love that. From enthusiasts in basements distilling gins to pioneer soft drinks brewers, Last year, the winners were soda makers, Square Root in Hackney, London, founded and run by two friends, Ed Taylor and Robin Sims. They'd both been brewers who one day decided that it was time to concentrate on drinks without alcohol. So this is our Chedra soda. There you go, Robin. So uh, out the back here, we have a walk-in fridge that we put up and this this is the Chedro. It's basically about three times the size of a normal lemon. We weren't expecting to win at all. All of a sudden, just everybody absolutely went silent. Ed and I looked at each other and we were just like, did they just, do we have to, are we gonna now? But the winner is oh. Square Root. <laughs> we woke up the next day and we were just like, just wow. <laughs> I think before the awards, 95% of our customers were, were in London. More and more people getting in touch from all over the country, even all over the world, really. We've had inquiries from South Africa, Italy, France, Denmark, I think. We have more and more out of the UK. You know, there's places to buy in Manchester, in Bristol, in Leeds, Glasgow even. We're slowly taking over the country. <laughs> Definitely. No. And uh, the one thing that all of those inquiries have in common is they always say, like, we heard about you through Food and Farming Awards, basically. Everybody says the same thing. It's like a, a business-changing experience. We've had a revolution in people's sourcing of, of food, and I think that's actually moved now into drinks. We can just look at this as a drinks category, but it's actually also um, an industry that's growing in Britain, and it can supply people with jobs, and it really can have a positive impact. Jack Adair Bevan. This year, we have a new category, the BBC Future Food Award, which, as its name suggests, will recognise ideas that are making a real difference to the future of our food. Julia Glotz, who you heard at the beginning of the programme, is judging, along with Mike Gooding. As a farmer and someone who's worked throughout the food industry over a number of years, I'm fascinated by what happens next. We want to hear about the ideas that are going to bring around a complete change in the way our food is grown, distributed and arrives to us as consumers. We all know that the growing global population is putting increasing pressure on all our resources and how much resource we use to produce the food and the energy that we use as consumers. And this really is getting critical. All the work we've seen over recent months in Paris with climate change, the challenges within the whole of the food supply chain are just growing. There's so much going on behind the scenes and we really want to shine a light on those brilliant ideas that are going to make a difference. It might be from national retailers or major food and drink manufacturers with new models or new ideas, right down to best practice at farm level where primary producers are looking at the challenges of sustainability and doing things in a different way. There's lots of money and investment going into research, looking at different ways to do things. At the same time, actually, farmers are looking at how they can improve their efficiencies. We're really looking for the people who have the real clear ideas, those who are actually doing things that make a difference in practice. 
Mike Gooding. And so, if you know of any food initiatives dealing with sustainability or health, food safety or food waste, any project that could shape the future, the judges want to hear about them. On the website, you can also find out about BBC Countryfile's Farming Heroes Award, as well as the final category, named after the founding presenter of the food programme, the Derek Cooper Outstanding Achievement Award. That's an award in the gift of the judges, recognising an organisation or person who's made a significant difference to our food system. Last year, Hugh Fernley-Whittingstall announced the award. I heard a story that he was once offered a small fortune for his very famous cheese business. And he asked the man with a chequebook, why would I want to sell this? And the man said... Well, it'll give you an exit strategy, and then you can do all those things that you really want to do. (laughs) And our hero replied, but I'm already doing all the things I really want to do, and my exit strategy is death. (laughs) So the winner of tonight's Derek Cooper Award is the great champion of British cheesemakers, even unto death, and his name is Randolph Hodgson. So, the nominations for the 2016 Food and Farming Awards are now open. Just go to bbc.co.uk slash foodawards. Once again, we're counting on you. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more food programmes, then there's a treasure trove of them going back to 2007 on the BBC Radio 4 Food Programme website. Crafted in the heart of Germany's Black Forest, Monkey 47 Gin is a favorite among the world's finest bartenders. With an unmatched array of botanicals from juniper and lavender to hand-peeled citrus fruit and lingonberry, it's the perfect spirit for any cocktail. And now get $5 off your first order of Monkey 47 on Drizzly.com using the promo code GIN47. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot Must be 21 and older, valid for new customers only, void where prohibited. Monkey 47. Certainly German and certainly wunderbar.